Support for NPR and the following message come from our sponsor, Whole Foods Market. Host a celebratory brunch for less with 365 by Whole Foods Market, featuring wallet-happy finds like cold smoked Atlantic salmon and more. This is NPR's Life Kit. You might have heard before that money talks. Well, if you've come to this episode, you're probably wondering how to make sure that that money is speaking the right message. Maybe you want to put your dollars towards fighting climate change or fighting racism or inequity in the workplace. Ethical investing is one great way to start doing that. The broad idea behind this style of investing is a belief that you can generate meaningful, measurable societal outcomes while also generating a healthy profit. That is financial planner and consultant Manisha Decor. She says ethical investing is a lot more complicated than just declaring your cause on your 401k paperwork. Ethical investing is a lot like love. Everybody has sort of their own definition and take on it, and everyone feels they've landed on it at different points. Like love, investing requires us to figure out our moral priorities. Manisha Takor has been thinking about this for a long time. She's worked in finance for more than 25 years. But her education started even earlier. As a child, her mother introduced her to media that taught her some key lessons. My mom is a feminist and she read me books like Free to Be You and Me and told me money gives women voices and choices. And her father introduced her to his HP 12C financial calculator. And he showed me how to calculate using reverse Polish notation if I saved and invested my babysitting and lawn mowing money um, from the age of 11 to age 65. And it generated, you know, market returns, how much money I would have. And when I saw those numbers, I was like, hooked. So is it safe to say you've been investing since you were 11? (laughs) Yes, it is. (laughs) That's amazing. I was absolutely blowing my hard-earned babysitting money on candy at that age. So that's why today, Manisha is going to be our guide to ethical investing. There's a lot of theoretical space to do good with your money. But the actual process of ethical investing can be a little thorny. I'm Lauren Magaki, and in this episode of Life Kit, Ethical Investing 101, we'll talk about what it is, how to think about it, and help you find where to look to get started. This message comes from NPR sponsor, Progressive Insurance, where drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average. Get your quote at Progressive.com and see if you could save. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Support for NPR and the following message come from our sponsor, Whole Foods Market. Host a celebratory brunch for less with 365 by Whole Foods Market. Featuring wallet-happy finds like cold smoked Atlantic salmon, mini quiches, organic everything bagels, and more. Plus, visit the floral department and jazz up your table with a beautiful bouquet of big, bright, sourced-for-good flowers. When the brunch has to be perfect and delicious, go to your local Whole Foods Market. What's happening on NPR Podcasts? More neighborhoods and more perspectives. The more of the world that you hear, the more you hear the world as it really is. NPR Podcasts. More voices. All ears. Find NPR wherever you get your podcasts. 
To begin, we need our ABCs of ethical investing, or our ESGs. If you've looked into this at all, you may have heard the term ESG investing. E is for environmental. Generally speaking, environmental includes things like a company's use of energy, the way they deal with waste, uh, pollution. S is for social. Anything from gender, diversity and inclusion to does a company generate um, or donate a percent of profits to um, the local community or other causes. And G for governance. Making sure the companies are avoiding conflicts of, of interests, not engaging in illegal practices. And really being transparent in their accounting methods and the way in which they're interacting with shareholders. With our ESGs in mind, Takor says, start by understanding what cause you're fighting for. Because no one ESG fund can address every one of the possible issues. So sometimes people want a very clean investment like of ETF she, S-H-E, where you are just focusing on issues around gender parity in the workplace. That's a very clean one. One that is a little more difficult to try and focus on would be clean energy. Is nuclear clean energy or is nuclear not clean energy? And so you can take a topic that on the surface sounds so simple, but there are differing viewpoints. The the way it looks in practice is that you really have to pull back the wrapper and see what is the specific investment strategy if it's uh, a separately managed account and an institutional manager running those funds. I like how you compared it to love because... It's like there's a different partner for everyone, and those partners have different things that we look for, right? We all aren't looking for the same thing. And I think the same thing goes with ethics, right? We all have different different bars. Um, and so it sounds a little bit like you're saying if you're if you're interested in getting into this, you should kind of pick the thing that you want to prioritize. Yes. Although part of the problem is just because you pick what you want to prioritize doesn't necessarily mean you're going to get that. So if we want to continue on with our love analogy, let's take a dating app and you swipe right and the other person swipes right and you have this image based on the profile and then you meet in person and um Sometimes it can be a huge shock. And that's what happens. For, to give you an example, I've had individuals look at the holdings in a specific ESG fund and say, oh my God, there's Exxon in here. I don't want Exxon in here. But it happened to be that an, you know Exxon was rating really well on its DEI policies. The fund came in on that element. And so the thing that I am most worried about, but also most excited about when it comes to ESG investing is that we are in the early days and enough people are interested in it that I think we're going to have some very creative solutions as compared to what did this look like when I started in the industry 25 years ago? What did it look like? So when I started in the industry 25 years ago, there really was only exclusionary based emphasis on um, values-based investing. 
And it typically had to do with religious exclusions. So for a long time, the Catholic Church had um, a ban on owning any um, stocks in portfolios that it involved its funds that, that dealt with abortion or birth control related products and services. Then more broadly, um, other groups would start uh, saying, I want no sin stocks, no alcohol, no tobaccos. Then we went through kind of this dormant period, which I would say is most of the 90s up until early 2000s. What would happen is if you wanted ethical investing, typically portfolio managers would say back to you, oh, that's ridiculous. Just make as much money as you possibly can and make a difference with your charitable giving. I highlight this because there's a lot of frustration on the part of people wanting to take part with ethical investments and not feeling like they're making a difference. And I just want people to understand uh, things are definitely improving. And as you say, we're sort of at the beginning still a little. Yeah, I definitely think we're at the very early stages. And the reason we're at the very early stages is there is no broad consensus on, um, first of all, what is an ethical stance in the environmental context, in the social context, in the, the governance context. On top of that, and perhaps even more importantly, there is no standardization as to how you measure and monitor that. So the period that we're going through right now is like trying to find our ethical investing love language. Um, we're trying to figure out how to define very fuzzy concepts in a way that is measurable, transparent, and consistent. Can there really be fully ethical investing? Does that exist? It's one of the ways I have been answering that question is to say that sometimes what we're trying to do is use a point to guide our actions and make sure each incremental next step is one that is beneficial and not detrimental um, to the goal at hand. But actually arriving at that point is like at a point of nirvana is not something that's ever going to happen. You know, so we meditate, right? And we, we meditate and we try and calm our thoughts, um, but we never get to a place where we totally can, you know, quiet down um, what the Buddhists would call our monkey mind. And so it's the same thing with ethical investing, unfortunately, because one of the key inputs to ethical investing are humans and us humans are flawed. And so um, it, it will never be perfect. But one of the things that I think the interest, the explosive interest we've had in um, ethical investing um, has done is link the word ethical to business. Okay, so I hear you. Um, taking baby steps towards ethical nirvana is better than than not trying at all. Correct. <laughs> You've sold me on that. Um, I am a regular person who knows very little about investing. How do I get started? I, I find that the investment world can sometimes be kind of unapproachable and scary and, and kind of confusing. What, what do I do? The shortest answer is to use a low-cost mutual fund or ETF that 
either focuses on a single um, issue that you believe in passionately or that has a broad, broad focus. So you understand that you um, aren't going to be able to pick and choose each nuance concept. But generally speaking, the investment vehicle is focused on companies that are trying to make sure that their next step forward is closer towards making the world a better place than a worse place. And to protect yourself, take a look at the investment fee. I like to see a fee of no higher than a half a percent on mutual funds and um, ETFs. Gotcha. Can we expect similar returns on an ESG type fund? How financially sound is it to put all of our eggs in that basket? I would say if you are using the broad approach in an indexed manner, you are diversifying your risk dramatically. But the issue of whether or not there is a return penalty to using ethical investing is hotly debated. And it's not an easy question to answer because there are now so many different types of ethical investments. So, you know, one way to think about it is broadly speaking, you know, we're thinking I'd I'd like to retire to X age with Y amount of money. This is how much I'm saving a year. Um, What kind of return do I need to generate in order to get there? And then you can see, did my ethical investments exceed or fall below that return? I feel like a lot of folks, their main investments come from their retirement portfolio. Are you seeing places where it's become more mainstream to choose to put your retirement in in some of these places? So I'm seeing a dramatic increase in a interest on the part of employees to have the option to engage in ethical investing in their 401k, 403b workplace retirement plans. But though the slate of investment options available in those plans is determined by the employer. And the employer has a fiduciary obligation to provide a slate of investments to um, their employees that meet a variety of criteria that basically boil down to it's good stuff. There's enough opacity that there has been concern on the part of employers about adding in these funds. As that changes, and there's a a movement underfoot um, right now, and I would expect within the next couple of years that will change, then we're going to see an explosion um, of assets coming into ESG because the vast majority, as you say, of individual investors do their investing in their workplace retirement accounts. Okay, so watch this space. (laughs) Exactly. How much impact can we possibly expect to have? Are we going to stop global warming or is it sort of should we should we pacify some of our expectations? I think, you know, there are some people who say the whole idea of ethical investing is a farce. It's just something we've done to make ourselves feel better after we've ruined the planet. And I think there's some validity to that argument. And then there are other people who, and this is my personal feeling, who feel like in a way it's kind of a a public shaming um, in terms of it's hard to say, um, I don't believe in the environment. 
Um, I don't believe in being, you know, socially responsible or having good governance. And so I think the presence of this style of investing, what it's going to do is weave itself into the fabric of the way companies do business, the way employees, the way we act when we are at work and the ideas we come up with. And so it's this virtuous cycle as more and more people become interested in ethical investing. You now have more and more employees at companies and and it starts circling around. If if you're in your 50s like me, I don't think we're going to see um, a dramatic pinpointable action, but I think we're going to be able to feel really good that we were part of the generation that that started pushing that boulder up the hill. Manisha Takor, thank you so much for for taking the time to talk to us. Lauren, thank you for having me. For more LifeKit, check out our other episodes. We've got one on dealing with money avoidance, a few different episodes on budgeting, and another on emotions and money. You can find those and lots more at npr.org slash LifeKit. And if you love LifeKit and want more, subscribe to our newsletter at npr.org slash LifeKit newsletter. And as always, here's a completely random tip. Hi, my name's Kat Kennedy, and I have a, a new mom tip. I live in Homer, Alaska. We have a short growing season, so I farmer's marketed all of the nice fresh vegetables, blend them down with bone broth and butter or coconut oil, and then portion them out into silicone ice cream trays to freeze them for future use as as baby food. Just got to deep broth them. Okay, yep, bye. If you've got a random tip or an episode idea, please leave us a voicemail at 202-216-9823 or email us a voice memo at lifekit at npr.org. This episode was produced by Andy Tagle. Megan Kane is the managing producer. Beth Donovan is the senior editor. Our production team also includes Claire Marie Schneider, Janet Ujung Lee, Sylvie Douglas, and Audrey Wynn. Beck Harlan is our digital and visuals editor. I'm Lauren Migaki. Thanks for listening. This message comes from NPR sponsor, Discover. Tired of not getting a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This message comes from NPR sponsor, Charles Schwab, with their original podcast, Choiceology. Hosted by Katie Milkman, an award-winning behavioral scientist and author of the best-selling book, How to Change, Choiceology is a show about the psychology and economics behind people's decisions. Hear true stories from Nobel laureates, historians, authors, athletes, and more about why people do the things they do. Download the latest episode and subscribe at schwab.com podcast or wherever you listen. Summer is for going to the movie theater because it's too hot to stay home. It's for driving with the windows down, listening to your favorite music. It's for stretching out while you're on vacation to gobble up a TV show. For a guide to some of the TV, movies, and music we are most excited about this summer, listen to the Pop Culture Happy Hour podcast from NPR.